what is even um, much more of a blessing than, than that is when people who are talented and are willing to use it to honor and glorify God. And uh, thank you, ladies, for doing that this morning. It's good to see our young people used to the Lord and uh, serving Him, worshiping Him. That's always a blessing to me as your pastor. I know it was to you as well. Take your Bibles today and turn with me to Matthew chapter number 2 is what we're going to be looking at in just a moment. In this Christmas season, for the last three or four weeks, uh, we've studied a whole lot about the Christmas story, what the Bible says concerning the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've talked about the salutation of the angels and what a salutation it was. It made it clear to all of us that the Lord sent for us exactly what we stood in need of, and that was a Savior. The Bible says that the angels made it clear that the Lord sent us a Savior that would be for all men. We praise God for that. We saw the salutation of the angels a few weeks ago, and then last week we studied about the simplicity of the shepherds. And how many of you this morning are thankful that God came to simple shepherds? <laughs> that the gospel truly is for all people. It's not just for those um, who are on the top rung of the social ladder, but it's for those who are on the bottom rung of the social ladder and every, every rung in between. And so I'm thankful for the simplicity of the shepherds. This morning I want to talk to you about the service of the wise men. So we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter number 2 and the first 12 verses. Now we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there this morning. We've got a lot going on. I want to preach to you on the service of the wise men and then we're going to take Christmas communion which is always one of my favorite services of the year. So if you'll listen fast, I'm going to talk fast and uh, we'll be done with this in just a moment and then we'll get into our time of communion together. But let's look in Matthew chapter 2 starting in verse 1. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, somebody say amen that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. <laughs> Of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there, were, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star, everybody say his star, in the east, and we are come to worship him. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for that is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them, diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, when they saw it in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you again, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. Lord, we're so thankful this morning for the Christmas story and what it means to all people. 
Lord, I'm asking today that you move me out of the way and you use me by your power, Holy Spirit, to speak your truth to your people. Lord, again, I can do nothing. I want to do nothing apart from you. So we're asking that you take complete control of these services, that you hide me behind the cross and use me. We pray, Lord, that you be glorified, that Satan be horrified, the church be edified, and today we'll leave here having said it's been good to be in your house. Lord, we're trusting in you to do the work that only you are capable of. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for your sake, amen. There's four main points that I want to give you this morning concerning Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. First of all, I want to talk to you about the Magi, the wise men, actually who they were. The Bible says that there were some wise men who came from the east seeking to worship a new king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Now these wise men, the word in our English language, wise men, is actually translated from the word Magi. Uh, and so this morning, I want you to see who these magi are. So who are they? Well, the word magi actually means those who study the stars. These were scholars of the stars, if you will. They had been uh, to the finest universities that their land had to offer. They were very educated, very powerful men. And I think it's very important that we see that because just like last week we saw the simple shepherds that were tending to their flocks in the field, God came to them, yes, and praise God for that. But let me tell you something. Not only did God come for the simple shepherd tending his flock in the field, but he also came for the scholar of the stars. God came for all people. And again, not just for the lowest of low, but for the highest of high. He came for the down and outs, yes, and we praise God for that. But let me tell you this, he also came for the up and outs. So no matter where you find yourself, no matter what rung of the social ladder that you're on, God came for and God came to you. That's what we see here when we look at the Magi. They are often called the three kings of the Orient because of the power that they had, the prestige that they had, the wealth that they had, and they realized God came and they came to worship Him. What a blessing that truly is. God came to us all. God sent us a Savior because all of us needed a Savior. If you believe that this morning, say amen. I don't care who you are, where you've been, what you've done. I don't care what social standing you have. I don't care what your bank account statement says. We all need Jesus, each and every one of us. So we see the Magi, who they are, but where did they come from? Well, the Bible says that they came from the east. Most Bible scholars believe they came from the land of Babylon. They came from what we know to be present-day Iraq. And that's very important for us to see that this morning for a lot of different reasons. Now, I believe they came from Babylon uh, because how else would these pagan peoples who worshipped false gods, how would they come to know of the culture of the Jewish people? How would they come to know of the prophecy of the Old Testament? They probably knew very little of the culture of the Jews. They probably knew very little of the prophecy of the Old Testament. But they had heard that there was a prophecy that a new star would mark the coming of the King of Kings. Now where would they have heard that? 
Well, we looked Wednesday night in Numbers, chapter number 24 and verse number 17 where the Bible says a star would mark the one who would have the scepter, who would be in control, who would have uh, uh, authority over the heaven and the earth. And, and that star would come out of Jacob. It would come from the Jewish people. And so how did these pagan men who knew nothing about Jewish culture or the Old Testament scriptures, how had they heard of the new star that would mark the coming of the King of Kings? Let me tell you what I believe it was. I believe it came through the prophet Daniel. We've been studying the book of Daniel um, on our Wednesday night Bible studies. We've been just been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, straight through Daniel. Let me tell you what we find out. We found out in Daniel that God used a slave, a young man who was willing to be faithful to the Lord, who was willing to stand when few were, a, a man of God who, whom was put in a very difficult situation. God used him to change and preach truth to the whole nation, and God used him in a fantastic way. Now, the Bible told us in Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 48 that after Daniel had saved the lives of the Magi, of the astrologers, of these scholars of the stars that were there in Babylon, that King Nebuchadnezzar gave him authority over all of those people, all the wise men of Babylon. Do y'all remember that Wednesday night crowd when we studied it? How that God gave him authority there? Well, let me tell you something. If you've got a man who saved your life from an evil king that was about to kill you, you would probably listen to what he had to say. So when Daniel came in authority over all the wise men in Babylon, he began preaching to them of these prophecies of the coming Messiah. And he does it all throughout the book of Daniel, as we're going to continually see this morning. So I believe Daniel prophesied 600 years to the wise men of Babylon before the Lord Jesus came. 600 years prior to the coming of Christ and for generation to generation to generation the teaching of the prophet Daniel was passed down each and every time. Isn't it amazing that God can take truth and God can take people who seem to be insignificant and God can use them to preach truth that changes people for a generation. Changes a whole nation. That's what he did with Daniel. Well, folks, if he can do it with Daniel, can he do it with us? If he can preach truth to Daniel and through Daniel that changes the world, he can do it for me. He can do it for you. He can do it through me. He can do it through you. <laughs> and so Daniel, having preached of this prophecy to the wise men in Babylon, they knew when the star came, that new star, that it was marking the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who the Magi are. Not only do I want you to see the Magi this morning, but I also want you to see his, their mission. What was their mission? Well, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter number 2 and verse number 2, the Bible says they were following a star. They had seen his star, not just a star, not some star, but his star. How many of you understand this morning that all the stars are his? <laughs> 
How many of you know this morning, and we're going to see this as we follow on through Matthew chapter 2 here, that folks, listen, Jesus didn't just become God when he was born in a baby as a baby in Bethlehem, but Jesus has already always been God, even in eternity past, now in eternity present, and he'll always be God in eternity throughout the future. He's God. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. And the Bible says in Psalm 147 in verse 4 that all the stars he's given names. He knows their numbers and he knows their names. What an amazing truth. It's his star that was seen. Now there's been some debate on whether or not this was a real star. And to be honest with you this morning, I really don't know. I think it's very possible that it may have looked like a star, but it was actually the Shekinah glory of God that was leading the shepherds and the wise men to the place where the new king had been born. You remember the Shekinah glory of God and how it was used in the Old Testament. Uh, If you remember when the nation of Israel was brought out of bondage under the blood of the Lamb through the leadership of Moses, when God brought them out, he led them through the wilderness by his Shekinah glory. The Bible says it was a pillar of fire in the daytime or a cloud in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night. That's the Shekinah glory that God used then. I think it's very possible that's exactly what the star might have been then. I don't know that to be true. I'm not going to argue with you about it. But we do know there was something that looked like a star that led these wise men to the place. They were following a star for the purpose of worship. That's what they came for. The Bible says in verse number 11 that when they found him, they worshipped him. Now, I love Chuck Swindoll. He says worship is really worth-ship. I like that. See, we've all got to ask ourselves this question this morning. Why are we here? Why did you come to this sanctuary this morning? I hope and pray the reason that we've all come to this sanctuary this morning is because we believe Jesus is worthy of our worship. I hope and pray that we come this morning for no other reason than to lift him up, to glorify him. I hope and pray this morning that every time we come together, we come with the mindset, we come determined to lift up Christ because the Bible says when he is lifted up, he'll draw all men into himself. The Bible teaches that when we choose to worship, he inhabits our praise. Amen? He inhabits the praise, the worship of his people. So he is worthy of us being here today and worshiping him. That's what these wise men believed. Their mission was following a store for the purpose of worship. But now it wasn't an easy mission. You've got to think about where they came from. If they did come from ancient Babylon or present-day Iraq into Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem, they traveled at least 300 miles, maybe up to 1,000 miles. And folks, you've got to remember, that's a great distance for that time. 300 to 1,000 miles because they believed the prophecy that the star that they were studying, these scholars of the stars, saw the new star that marked the coming of the King of Kings and they dropped everything and went to worship. It was a great distance, but let me tell you something else. They were in great, it was great difficulty. 
Let me tell you why. Because in that day, they didn't have planes, trains, and automobiles. They didn't have uh, uh, cars or Uber drivers or taxi cabs that they could call. They walked everywhere they went over some very treacherous places. And so they, it, was a, it was a difficult journey. But now listen, it was also a dangerous journey. Let me tell you why. Because when they got to Jerusalem, guess who met them? Oh, Herod. And Herod was a snake in the grass. I want you to think about this guy. Folks, he had already killed his mother. He had already killed his sons. He had killed his wife because he was afraid that they were going to take power from him. He was so evil that if you go on and keep reading in Matthew chapter 2, you're going to find that he began having all of the young boys, or the, the baby boys killed in the land uh, of Judea uh, around that time because he was afraid that this prophecy was going to come true that the wise men made him known of. Not only did he have all the baby boys killed, but let me tell you something else. When this evil man died, he was afraid that nobody was going to mourn his death. And he wanted tears at his funeral. So guess what he commanded before he died? That when he died, other prominent figures, loved figures in the community would be killed as well so that somebody might cry at his funeral. That's how evil this man was. And here you have the wise men, the magi, coming right into his presence. And he's already planning to kill them as well. That's why the Lord told him in a dream not to go back to where he was. This journey was a great distance. It was difficult and it was dangerous. Still, they came to worship because they believed Jesus is worthy. I want to read to you a quote from one of my favorite writers. A man by the name of A.W. Tozer. Anybody ever heard of A.W. Tozer? If you hadn't, look him up. Great man of God. Listen to what he says concerning the day in which we live in the modern church. He says the most dangerous cult in America today is the cult of the comfortable. They don't want to be disturbed if the weather is not right to come to worship. They don't want to be disturbed if company comes. They will use any excuse they possibly can to make themselves feel better about not worshiping the Lord. That don't to me sound like the wise men. The wise men were willing to travel a great distance. They were willing to travel a difficult journey. And they were willing to even put themselves in danger because they believed Jesus is worthy of worship. I want to encourage you and I want to thank you for coming today because you believe Jesus is worthy of worship. If you believe that, say amen. I invite you to come back every time we have service because every time we have service, we want to make the point of lifting up Christ. That's our main motivation. That's our goal. We need to see not only folks, the Magi, and we need to see their mission. They came for to worship. They followed the star to find the place where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would be born. And it meant something to them. I heard a story one time about uh, D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody was a great evangelist of years gone by. And he was getting invitations to go and preach all over the world. 
And they invited him to come from Chicago, Illinois to London, England and preach some revival services. And so he gets to London, England, and he says one day he's walking around London down in downtown, and all of the people are lined up on the streets, and everyone's excited about the parade that's coming through town. And he says, man, everybody's singing and cheering and happy about what's fixing to take place, and he's wondering what's all the fuss about? Why is everybody so excited? And then he sees, as he sees the, uh, the motorcade of those that are bringing the king and the queen down the street, what all the fuss is about. Everybody's excited because now they're seeing their king. D.L. Moody said, I wasn't that excited, and I wondered why I wasn't. But then it dawned on me, that's not my king. If Jesus is your king, it ought to excite you to worship. If Jesus is your king, you ought to want to give him all you got for as long as you got. If Jesus is your king, if you've submitted to his lordship, then it ought to make a difference in everything we do, not just on Sunday, but on Monday. Not just in God's house, but in your house. Not just in the church house, but at your workplace, in your home, at the grocery store. Among friends and enemies that ought to make a difference how you live your life if Jesus is your king. Because everything we do, everything we do ought to be an act of worship to him. You need to see their mission, mission, but folks, you need to see their message. They preached a great message in the gifts that they gave. Look down to verse number 11. The Bible says that they gave uh, gifts of gold. And how many of you know a gift of gold is a gift fit for a king? <laughs> These Magi, these wise men, would have known that this king that was coming, that was marked by the star, the new star in the sky, they would have known of his kingship from what Daniel said in Daniel 9.25. Isaiah talks of the kingship of the Lord Jesus in Isaiah 9 and 7. Everybody take your Bibles this morning and, and let's look at Isaiah chapter 9. In verse number 7, very familiar Christmas verse. Listen to what the Bible tells us. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's back up to verse number 6. This is whom he's talking about. He says the one uh, that will be on the throne of David, the one whose kingdom uh, will be from henceforth and evermore. It's none other than the Lord Jesus. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Through the prophecy of Daniel in Daniel 9, 25, these magi would have known this was a king they were coming to worship, so they brought gold fit for a king. Amen. Not only did they bring gold fit for a king, according to Daniel 9.25 and Isaiah 9.6 and 7, but folks, they also brought frankincense. The Bible teaches that frankincense speaks of who Jesus is. And do you know this morning that Jesus is God? 
He is the God-man. He's God incarnate in the flesh, coming to do for men what men can't do for themselves. If the gold speaks of his dominion as a king, the frankincense speaks of his deity as God himself. How do you, you say, Rosal, how do you know that? Well, take your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 30, and I want to read for you something in verse number 34. Exodus chapter 30 and the 34th verse, God tells Moses how he is to worship. Exodus 30, 34 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, steak, and anica, and galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each there shall be like weight. The Bible says he needs to take it from pure frankincense. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. The foundation of this, uh, this uh, perfume that's going to be made for the Lord, that's going to be used in worship, is frankincense itself. It's got to be pure. It's got to be holy. Now, if, folks, if that don't speak of the Lord Jesus, I don't know what, what does. Verse 36, And thou shalt beat some of it very small, and put it of it uh, before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee. It shall be unto you most holy. God says, the place I'm going to meet with you as an act of worship, you need to put this concoction together, frankincense being the foundation. So why did they bring frankincense? Well, it speaks, folks, of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't miss the point. There's been a lot of babies who became kings. There's only been one baby who was born a king who was born King of Kings, Lord of Lords. God himself was born to a virgin in Bethlehem. That's what this gift represents. It recognized his deity. But now the Bible also says that they gave myrrh. And myrrh was a sticky substance that was used to embalm the dead. If you go and read in John chapter 19 and verse number 38, you're going to find that Joseph of Arimathea Take it, he took the body of Jesus and he put upon his body myrrh. So what does this gift tell us? What is this message that is being preached? It is through the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus that we're made right with God. It's no accident that they brought these things unto the Lord. It's no accident that Matthew records it for us in his gospel. The Word of God is telling us who Jesus is and what He came to do. The gold speaks of His dominion. The frankincense speaks of His deity. And the myrrh speaks of His death. He was born to die so that we might truly live. I can't think of a better way, better reason to celebrate at Christmas time than that. We need to see the Magi. We need to see their mission. We need to see their message. But let me tell you something. We need to see their method. What'd they do? They brought the gifts they had and gave them to Jesus. And they worshiped him as deity. Don't miss that in verse number 11. They recognized him to be God before they, because they worshiped him. We know that because they worshiped him. Their method of service 
has to be our method of service. Do you know that if you're a child of God that the Holy Spirit himself has given you a gift and that gift is to be used in the service of the Lord? Do you know that? And do you realize this morning your gift may be different from my gift and my gift may be different from your gift, but God has given us what he has given us for the purpose of all of us working together to accomplish the will of God. God's not asking what you don't have, and he's not asking what you can't do. He's asking what you can do and what you do have. He's just saying, give me what you got. I can take it and use it. Just like he did with the wise men here in Matthew chapter 2. Give God what you got. This Christmas season and this upcoming year, your method of service needs to be just like theirs. Mine does too. Let's just give God what we got, all we've got. Because he's worthy of it and he can use it to accomplish his good will and purpose. See the Magi? See their mission? Certainly see their message. Take note of their method though. And give yourself to the Lord fully. This morning... I hope and pray that each and every person here has trusted in Jesus as their personal Savior. I hope and pray that each and every one of us as believers are where we need to be with the Lord. But let me tell you what I know, and I know it from my own experience. We live in a dark world, and we struggle with an old sinful nature and the temptations that the world provides under the direction of our enemy, Satan himself. So I recognize and I realize that we all fail God daily and we all need God's mercy and need God's grace. So what I'm going to do right now, before we have our time of communion, I'm going to ask you if there's anything in your life that's not pleasing to God, I'm asking you to come and get it right with him. There's nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned altar experience. I'm telling you something. God changed my life in a good old-fashioned altar just like this one this morning. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. So if you've not yet trusted in Jesus, come get your heart right this morning. I want to share with you in the Word of God what it means to be saved, what it means to be born again. If you really want to experience Christmas, the only way you can really do that is knowing Christ as Savior. If he is your king, if you know him to be your God, if you know him to be your Lord that you've submitted to, that's what makes all the difference. Now, I can't save you. Walking an aisle don't save you. Being in this church don't save you. But I can share with you in the word of God how you can be born again into God's family. If you need that this morning, you come during this time of invitation. If you are a child of God, is there any unconfessed sin in your life that you need to get taken care of? If so, the Bible says if we confess our sins to him as believers, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What I'm trying to tell you is the same grace that saved you, child of God, is the same grace that keeps you. So if there's anything in your life that you know is not pleasing unto the Lord, may today be the day that you get it right so that you can be used of the Lord in a way that he is pleased with. I want to ask everyone to stand together. Natalie, come on back up, sweetie, and I want you to sing for us this morning what you sang early today. She sang in our time of devotion before Sunday school, Jesus paid it all. I love that song.